<laughs> you can't beat the classics. What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode six of You Can't Beat the Classics podcast. We're keeping it rolling here, you know, with a variety of movies. I I like the way that we're selecting these. We're going to reveal how we select our next movie at the end of this episode. But we did it in a similar way in selecting this one because we were trying to think about where to go after the last episode. And... We picked an interesting here one, definitely. And as usual... One, one that John hasn't seen before, by the way. That's true. That's true. It took me 24 years to see this one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, George and Mike are with me as usual for this episode. And today, guys, we're going to be talking about 1997's Con Air. Directed by Simon West. Do you guys remember at all if the first time you saw Con Air? <laughs> yeah, I was a kid. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I definitely saw it on, like, when the, back in the day when, you know, TV Guide used to roll on the screen and you used to, like, pick out what you were going to watch because TV Guide said it was going to be on at a certain time on a certain channel. It was a, a two-TV uh, two movie for me already. So I didn't see it in the theaters or anything like that. I waited for it to be on TV. So um, needless to say, when I'm watching it now, there is a lot that the TV edit does not let through. I saw it as a kid when my parents had Black Box. Uh, So we were stealing pay-per-view and all that shit. And I stumbled upon it by accident because I must, I think I was watching some kid movie. And this is the same, this is the same way I saw Blade for the first time too. Uh, when the kid movie was over, I'd go make something to eat. I'd come back to go watch something else, and then another movie's on. So I'm like, oh, I'll watch it. And I watched Con Air, and I remember laughing a lot. And now as an adult, I'm like, man, it's kind of kind of fucked up movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. You know, sitting down with this one for the first time, I was like, um, you know, I think the reason I never saw this movie, you know, it took so long to see this movie, is that honestly... I'm not the biggest fan of Nicolas Cage. The only movies I've yeah, seen I can with, see that. Nicolas, with Nicolas Cage are, like, some not very good ones. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, the one that comes to mind is, like, The Wicker Man. Uh, <laughs> like, he was which pretty is, hot, though, when this uh, came out. He had 9mm, <laughs> he had Snake Eyes. Yeah. He, he was pretty hot Face around off. this time. Face Off, yeah, he, yeah. This was when he was prime blockbuster Cage, not... Wicker Man or like begging for roles <laughs> like in Kick Ass and shit. Right. Yeah. yeah but right. I mean, like, so also, like, part of this too, and I, I'm going to start into it just a little bit, but he throws on this fucking accent in this movie. <laughs> and, and, like, that's my biggest complaint about the whole movie because, like, what's the point of it? But when you look at, like, all of his blockbuster stuff, he has, like, the very Nicolas Cage, like, the way he talks, the way he fragments his sentences. Yep. And I think the, the director was kind of like, we need you not to be that Nicolas Cage. We need you to be like, not the maniacal guy. We need you to be like the down South, good old boy. who's doing everything that he does for his wife and his kid. 
So he's like, we're gonna we're gonna mix that up and we're gonna give you an accent and that's gonna change you from every other role you've done at this point. That accent when I first heard him talking the way the speaking the way he was, I was like, what accent is that? I know, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's not I, an accent. I, as the movie progressed, you just get you you just get used to it because mm-hmm. there's so there's literally so much else happening throughout the movie. That you're like you can't be distracted by an accent anymore. I wonder if that's why he never did a southern role again, because that accent was <laughs> tough. It was trash, and like, uh. so like to j- jump in just a little bit. So like, um, when he's reading the letters from his daughter and all that stuff, and I know that's a little bit in, but like, there's one line where he's like, "School is very important," and you're just <laughs> like, "That that was terrible." <laughs> like, like I don't know, did you just have like a slur? Did you just like stroke <laughs> out in the middle of that? What happened? <laughs> <laughs> but like even so i think um i think this movie has definitely made me you know want to maybe explore a lot of a lot more of nicholas cage's filmography just because i'm i was watching this and i was like huh i was like you know what this is a pretty good movie i enjoyed it yeah it definitely has some good entertainment value it's not uh if you're looking for like a titanic type movie like dramatic and very theatrical that's not it this is this is a good fun movie this is like expendables before expendables the cast was amazing for this movie i was gonna say that yeah the cast was really good i mean you got ving ving rames coming off of fucking pulp fiction you had john malkovich in the 90s which was peak malkovich uh you had dave Chappelle mixed in there you had uh, (laughs) a machete in there you know when you yeah dude the cast when i was shocked by the cast of this because every it seemed like every scene i would see somebody and i was like wait a second i know that guy dude you like you had john cusack Uh, you had so many peak fucking actors in here it was like how actually amazon brought me to recommended for you and the recommended after watching con air it's just a slew of Oscar-winning movies. Like, you had Armageddon, you had fucking, you know, uh, I can't remember, uh, Nicolas Cage, 9mm. Like, he, he, Green Mile was in there, Pulp yep. Fiction. I'm like, wow, bro. Yeah, These... Well, even the old guy, the old guy from the Green Mile is in there. He's yeah. he's in there. I was like, every yeah, the guy had somebody the truck, I recognized. Yeah, yeah it was great. Yeah. Crazy, man. What? Yeah. I don't know how they got him. But damn, bro, damn. And the, and they like all the convicts. They landed like really good people too. And you know, like all the people who played like the officials and all that stuff. They landed like good people. Yeah. So Just a great job. Yeah. Right. Right before. So right before we dive into it, let's watch the trailer for Con Air. He's a U.S. Ranger. <laughs> Highly decorated. Did a little hell raising when he was a kid, but nothing serious. He's defending his wife. Got in a drunken brawl. And he killed the guy. Could have happened to you or me. <laughs> Serving the last of his sentence. Cameron Poe explain home to his wife and daughter. Today's flight is a special one. We're populating Louisiana's Felton Penitentiary. These guys are the worst of the worst. I see a lot of celebrities among us. I see 11 primetime lives, three regions of coffee leaves, and a genuine 2020 interviewee. What you looking at, punk? Nothing. I was just 
Mine on your cage. But one wrong flight. Mine on your cage. <laughs> can ruin your whole day. What happened? We caught the plane, man! Welcome to Con Air. Jailbird 1, you are not cleared for takeoff. And nobody on this aircraft gives a flyer. <laughs> the issue here is how the plane is brought down. Shoot it down. There are innocent people up there. He's got a little girl to come home to. He's been waiting for this day for eight years. What are you going to do? What do you think I'm going to do? I'm going to save the day. Take your weapon. Take your seat. Isn't that your car? And say your prayers. <laughs> From Jerry Bruckheimer, the producer of The Rock, Nicholas Cage, John Cusack, John Malkovich. Where are they going to land this thing? How do you feel about the blackjack tables? <laughs> On June 6th. <laughs> Buckle up. Con Air. Directed by Simon West. Thank you, and have a pleasant flight. What? Alright, what a crazy concept for a movie. <laughs> right off the start, and it's just, that trailer, I mean, you just get hit by nostalgia with that trailer, just by that voice. Yeah. It's not a voice you hear in trailers anymore. I mean, the times, have, ch times have changed, but damn. So, like, we talking about the cast, we didn't even mention Steve Buscemi. Like oh, that, I know. What a hit that was. Yeah. Uh, he was he was such an obscure role that was like so impactful for the movie. Yeah, yeah another, we'll talk about that. Another great one was like he's definitely popular around this time. Cole uh Cole Meany. Mm. Um like he, he was he was doing I think he was doing Star Trek at the time, but he was in a lot of stuff in the nineties. So like him being in there um was great too. Yeah, just a great cast. Yeah, no, seriously, it's, it's like on every level. So like we talked about like the cast of, you know, on our podcast, we talked about the cast of Titanic and how it was like an A plus cast. Like, well, this is like pretty close, right? Um, I, I think for the 90s, there were three casts that like feel untouchable to me. And I never would have ever thought I'd say put all three of these movies in the same sentence. But Armageddon, Titanic and Con Air. These casts are literally like they, these are like Royal Rumble style casts. Like this is WrestleMania in a movie. Like these are perfect. You look at Armageddon. Armageddon brought together comedians, bodybuilders, you know, strong actors, new yep. actors. You look at Con Air. You have some very established dramatic actors in there, but then you have some like weird one-off comedians. Like, who the fuck is Steve Buscemi, the guy from Billy Madison? Yeah, and seriously. You, you have <laughs> Dave Chappelle, who oh, that was a weird one. But like, like, he was perfect. It worked. Yeah, yeah. it was great. Um, like, I mean, I would argue the Fifth Element too has a pretty untouchable cast. Yeah, Fifth Element, but they didn't know what they had then. I I, I guess I, I agree. Why, why I put those there is because a it's like literally who do you put in the the, the top slate? Yeah, who's because on the you cover? Literally of this movie? have everyone. It's Malkovich, Cusack, and and Cage. Yeah, but like you easily could have put Ving Rhames in there. You easily could have snuck, you know, Steve Buscemi in there. Machete could have been in there. Danny like, Trejo. You could have put so many people. It was just beautiful. Not to harp on the cast, but no, no, it's, I, I I agree. Uh, I. I... <sighs> 
Yeah, no, I, I agree. But like the guy who uh, you just said his name, I already forgot it. The guy who played the cop, like the dickhead DEA guy. Uh, uh, Cole Meany. Yeah, yeah Cole Meany. Like I feel like I hated him literally this entire movie. I literally hated him, and I don't know if he was going for that or if he was just going for like stuck up DEA agent. But like I, I literally I wanted him to die. I think you were supposed <laughs> to hate him, like not to be too cynical, but like I think you were supposed to. Like, feeling wise, you were supposed to relate to Cyrus and the people taking over the plane, and you were supposed and to Cusack. hate the DEA agent. Yeah. yeah, Cusack was supposed to be the the moral compass of the movie, while you have this guy being a douchebag. You have Cyrus who's taking over the plane. He's the villain, but it's like, why is he taking? He just wants to go home. He wants to leave. It, it, it was a lot of different directions, but like, yeah, I think you were supposed to truly hate the DEA agent. Yeah, both of them. Yeah, yeah. Like, who's right. the real villain? Because he he like made the cons. Everyone who's a con is a bad guy, right? Like, but clearly Nicolas Cage was the hero, and you had yeah, Cyrus. He was a con. And, so like, it was yeah. supposed to be like he was supposed to be that guy you hated who wasn't a con. Yeah. So, so let's take this from the top then, huh? Yeah. So we're met. You know, um, I think they had that sequence about various wars at the beginning, if I'm right. Um, I, I pretty all I wrote down was America. That's, yeah. what, that's yeah. all. I, and yeah. and we're you know we're introduced to our character of Cameron Poe, uh, Nicholas Cage's character, and um, pretty much all is well in Mobile, Alabama. Not right <laughs> now. It's like nothing's going wrong for you know for Cameron and uh, and his wife there in that bar, but then. Dude, I was like, what loser goes over to a woman right in front of the man she's with and, like, invites her over to the table? While he's in just got back to the stage uniform. And he's in a uniform. And I'm like, dude, that's low. <laughs> Guy's a dick. Yeah, all three of them. Yeah. yeah. So, so I, I, the very first question I wrote is, why does he have an accent? Yeah, <laughs> that's the very first, and I think we've already touched on it. Like, uh, maybe there's a purpose for it, but I don't think it was necessary. And like you guys said, he hasn't done a Southern Rose since. Uh, and then the second thing I wrote is, why are these guys such dicks to a veteran? Like, literally, he's a regular at the bar, sees her smooching with her boyfriend or husband or whatever they were at the time, and then he just decides to go cut in and like ask her for like inappropriate stuff. It's like. It's, I don't know. That that kind of irked me. Yeah, I mean, some people are douchebags, but I've seen weirder things in bars, so yeah. th- that part didn't really phase me too much. Uh, <laughs> I was just like, yeah, stick move. <laughs> yeah, just a dick. Yeah, but still, still, like that whole interaction. I was like, oh boy. I was like, dude. I'm like, you could probably pop one of them in a second. And we see right after, you know, they they want to fight Cameron and. He kicks the crap out of him, and and he knows how to kill a man pretty much by the way he hit that guy, and that guy's dead. <laughs> yeah, and I think I think it's funny because then it switches over to the um the court scene, right? Yeah. And his lawyer's explaining to him, he's like, "You should plead guilty, and then you'll only get four years." But then the fucking judge is like. You are a deadly weapon, and you can't be trusted yeah. amongst mere mortals. 
you're getting seven to ten. So I thought it was funny. He's like, no less than seven to ten. I was like, which one is it, seven or ten? Well, dude, I don't know. Like the ju- the judicial system's all sorts of fucked up here nowadays. But like, I'm like that long for manslaughter. I'm like, <sighs> and it was self defense. It was very obviously self defense. I'm like, dude, you can't give and you can't give a man in in the service a break. Like, I wonder, the, like, given the circumstances, you gotta wonder how terrible his lawyer was, too, right? That, like, I literally uh, wrote, "His lawyer is terrible." How do you not? How, <laughs> how do you not, they had a knife? There was three of them. Like, how do you not win that? How like, do you, how, how do you get him to pl- to to put in a guilty plea? Like, how do you get that to happen? It doesn't make sense. What what judge in their right mind is convicting a ranger for defending his? Yeah, the, uh, that part was a bit of a stretch, but like, yeah. I get it, right? They like, had to put him in prison, right? He had to be in prison for this movie to work. But, like, also, <laughs> it's not, like, totally far-fetched for him to get prison time for doing this, right? Like, that's not totally yep. far-fetched. He killed a guy. Like, he, he probably should go to jail, but, like, maybe not 7 to 10. Yeah, yeah when it's I, so I thought obvious. That was, I thought yeah. that was a stretch. I'm like, dude, given the circumstances, he... Like, um, like what again? A little bit far ahead, but like, like John Cusack's character says later in the film, like, could have happened to anybody. Yeah, and, and like also, I thought about notice, that. Did you, not to cut you off, but did you notice in the trailer how they didn't cut that from the movie? They actually like he, they made him say it again softer because in the movie he's all worked up when he's going through the guy's rap sheet, but in mm. the trailer he's just like, could have happened to anyone. You yeah. Know? He, yeah, he got into a drunken brawl. And when in the movie, he's like screaming at this DEA agent, and he's just yeah, like, "No!" Yeah. <laughs> they, they might, they might have filmed it like two different ways, possibly. And yeah. then they used, then they used the, the crazier one for the the final cut. That got that part gets me jacked up in the movie, but in the trailer, I was just like, "Why is he whispering to me?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But I mean, but the. The time seems to fly by because he's, I mean, he's writing letters to his family, you know, his daughter that he's never met before. And it's like the fastest, like seven, I think it's eight years he ends up, he ends up staying in there. So I also wrote this part that the way that they showed the passage of time was very good. So he started by writing uh, letters to his wife and then uh, eventually the letters were to his daughter and you could tell like from the progression of her voice that she was getting older. Uh, I thought that it was a really unique way to show a passage of time because obviously yeah. his looks don't change except for his hair gets a little bit longer. Um, so I thought that was really unique and cool actually. Yeah. Uh, this friend, this cellmate that he has, you know, I wrote down, I'm like, is that Bubba Gump? It's Bubba Gump, baby. And I was like, it is, it is. Um, Micheletti Williamson. Yeah. This yeah. is his name. And I'm like, that is him. I'm like, yeah, that's like the first of like one of many familiar faces you see. Yeah, just as, as like pop up throughout the film. Essentially a cameo, but he's in, he's a pretty big part of the movie. But essentially he's a cameo because he really only does like one or two things this whole movie. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, and then we're I think this is when we're introduced to John Cusack and Cole Cole Mealy, and like I think John Cusack introduces the idea of this plane um cole mealy being the dea agent i think this is when they were arguing about his guy his dea guy being on the plane and be like he needs a weapon no weapons on the plane i think that's where that argument happens yeah yep 
Um, and I, I, I really wrote on this. So, like, this whole time, like, the whole beginning part of this movie, you just hate Cole Meany for everything that he is, right? He's stuck up. He's smug-nosed. He puts his Corvette in the handicapped parking spot. <laughs> you know, like, he gets his DEA agent guy on it, and the DEA agent that he puts on there is full of himself and everything else. And then, long story short, he sneaks a gun onto the plane on his DEA, DEA agent. Yep. So. Can, can we... No, I'm skipping ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> but like, first thing I'm sorry. All right, they want to tra- They want to transport a ton of prisoners by plane. Like, all right, what could go wrong? Yeah, because they have <laughs> to stock a new, a newly built prison, supermax prison. I'm like, what <laughs> an like... insane, dude. I'm like, what an insane idea. I'm like, I bet you this movie is the reason like that concept doesn't exist in real life. <laughs> it has to be. Like, I mean, about that. how do you not arm? Why do you arm the pilot? Right? Like, what is the pilot gonna do if the if the if the prisoners escape? Why? What is the pilot gonna do? Why not give one security guard a gun and literally just have them sit in the back watching everyone? And like, if someone somehow escapes, bam, dead. Like, I mean, it's not like these prisoners were put in. Like, just their seats with no handcuffs. They were put in with handcuffs. They were put in with chains and everything. Something cages. One thing I was thinking about with a gun on a plane, I was like, you know what? This is a really, like, fortified plane. Like, this this plane is ridiculous. But I was thinking, I'm like, maybe they were worrying about shooting a gun when they were in the air and, like, creating, like, making a hole in the plane and then, like, compromising, like, the, the air pressure inside. Maybe, well, that, like, but they don't really explain it in that sense. But well, that's what I was thinking. This type of plane, honestly, like it's not, it's not under like pressure. It's not a pressurized cabin like most planes. Oh, okay. So like they're not really worried about the gunfire, and like that's why the thing it had a hole in the side of it, it was still flying because uh, yeah, it's not one of those planes. But um, okay. so it's also really different, and this is a huge thing. Like the mid '90s planes in the mid '90s compared to planes now, like cockpits in planes in the 90s didn't even lock true yeah. you know so it's like very different back yeah, then I mean, this is it's pre 9-11 this is pre 9-11 yeah. this is pre yeah. flight safety standards this is pre everything yeah. not to mention this is a private airplane so like it wouldn't need all the stuff that a commercial one does but they didn't yeah. even have locks on cockpits back then and they used to bring kids from the cabin up into the cockpit to see what the pilots were doing you know mid-flight yep. you know it's like wild stuff back then that you just think about now you're like wow i can't believe that stuff happened <laughs> wow <So>. wow <laughs> now that the the whole well, we're gonna get to it in a second but like the whole gun thing is just like totally understandable why you wouldn't want additional firearms unaccounted for and this DEA yeah. agent guy is just like no my guy's gotta have one <laughs> he doesn't get on that plane unless when, he has a gun when in all seriousness he was put in I don't think we talked about this he was put on the plane to get information from a guy what the fuck does he need a gun for I don't know anyway, <laughs> the other thing uh, is too like did he even sit next to that guy yeah, like, he, there was, so like he gets put on the plane, he's in his shackles and everything else. Like, where the hell was the guy that he was supposed to talk to? Because he was sitting in a row all by himself. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea then. I don't know. I don't That's, know. Uh, um, I think this is when they're introducing like all the various prisoners and like all the bad shit they've done and everything. I was like, yeah. <laughs> one of the prisoners is Marcellus Wallace. 
Yeah. yeah. The so, Marcellus Wallace. Yeah, and yeah. He, he's like a, a black supremacist. Right? Yeah, and then this when you're met with the surprise. I mean, the surprise now of what? Dave Chappelle? You're like, what? <laughs> so it's, it's funny. That's literally what I wrote, like, with, like, a bunch of question marks and exclamation points. Because I'm like, what? Dude, it worked, though, because, like, yeah. he, he was just, like, a little skeevy guy. So it's funny, like, I actually wrote during this part, I'm like, this can't be how they transfer patients. I mean, um, this can't be how they transfer um, convicts. Like, because, like, they're walking out of the bus one by one. And then they're getting, like, the walking to the ring boxing stats on their way in. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's just funny. Yeah. He's like, this guy's certifiable. Killed 30 people and ate them all. And, you know, it's just like, as they're walking to the plane, I'm like, this is wild. <laughs> like, I mean, you had to tell the story somehow. I know, right? I know. Yeah. This is like convict playing cards, though. Like, what's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you had a bunch of aces on that plane, that's for sure. Seriously. Yeah. Well, that was one thing I was wondering. I was like, okay. You put the most violent criminals with some of some like petty ones, like some of the stuff like people like Cyrus the Virus and like other guys were doing were like way worse than what Cameron was Cameron Poe did, and so I'm like, why are they putting them all together? So they explained that that Cameron Poe wasn't even supposed to be on that plane, but he was using it as transportation. So like. Uh, okay. He, and 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 they all knew he was supposed to be free, so they said you'll understand that like no like you're still gonna be in full restraints and shackles because that's the process oh, okay. even though he was a, technically a free man. <laughs> Another thing I wrote down was like I don't remember where the plane like takes off from, but I was like, why is Cameron in a prison so far away? Yeah, and it's like, weird because they, they explain that too. Way, they seem a long way from Mobile, Alabama. So they they explain that too. They said, yeah. um, "You'll understand that you're going to be in full shackles and chains until you're processed by your originating prison or facility." Okay. So he had to travel back to the facility that processed him originally. I don't know. Yeah. It's weird. No, nah, I mean. It is what it is, right? Like, that's part of the experience. They had to make it work. Um, and then you see that they have the DEA is having the guy pretend he's a criminal. I think probably just to keep an eye out. It was my guess. Um, and, he, and he sneaks the gun on the plane. Um, unknowing, uh, you know. Um, another surprise appearance, Danny Trejo. And I was like, I'm loving these appearances. Like. They just kept coming. Yeah, Danny Trejo. Uh, yeah. What? What? Like, how do you think they sold these guys? Like, this is. So, I'm so in love with this cast. I wish they they did like <laughs> you know how they do the reunion readings or whatever during pandemic and like all these people would zoom in. Why didn't we get this for Con Air? <laughs> like, oh, seriously. Like Danny Trejo, John Malkovich, and Nicolas Cage on a fucking Zoom call. Let's go. <laughs> Well, Danny Trejo did the Masked Singer. He was too busy doing that to do a, a Con Air re- recall. <laughs> I would <laughs> love to watch that. <laughs> Not the Masked Singer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I think uh, so. The plane, the plane took off. Um, so I think the convicts are like, some of the convicts are getting ready to take over. One thing I was wondering, I was like, how did they hide those picks in their hands? Like they were they inside their skin. Like yeah. They literally yeah. put it under the skin. Like I picture, like 
like when you like like get a splinter, but like just like way worse than that. Because I'm like, how? I'm, like the way they're pulling, I'm like, ugh. What <laughs> I'm yeah, curious me out. is how they, how they got their hands and mouth and everything checked and no one saw that. Yeah, because like I would think that's like you can't put it under your skin to where it's not visible. Right. You know, and like if you're patting somebody down, like you, like I think it was like really like right next to their wrists, I believe. And like that's. No, it was in the center of their palm. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah, it was like right, like right here, where they had it. It looked which, like one of them. It looked like it was like down, like the bottom of their hand. But like, like if right you were gonna, if you were gonna do something like that, isn't like the most obvious thing to do is put it on the outside of your hand, or like even up by your wrist? Like I don't, I don't know. Maybe with all their tattoos and stuff, you probably could have hit it so easily on their forearm. And said so they put it on their hand where, like, you have to show them your hands. Because even the, the mm. DEA agent had to show the hands, open his mouth. And that that's also how I'm curious how Dave Chappelle, you're going to get to it in a second. <laughs> yeah. That's the, with, the other tying, way of hiding things. I'm like, tying something dude. in his stomach. That part yeah. is so unreal, unbelievable to me. But, like, it, it was the 90s. It, it was... <laughs> But and when you're watching this movie too, like sometimes you watch these movies, right? And like you, you're like, there's no way that would ever fucking happen. With this movie, you're just like, I, and maybe it was just me, but I was like, I'll allow it. Yeah, okay, what else? Got? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, like yeah, with Dave Chappelle, like he finds other ways to hide stuff, and he like literally just pulling a string, pulling something out of his like from something he swallowed. I'm like, oh, and uh, well, first thing I was wondering, I was like, what was he hiding? And, like, I thought he was pulling out something. I don't know. I, I thought he was taking out, like, you know, something. I don't know what. I I don't know what I was thinking. But then you're like, what is that? And then he starts dumping it on the other guy. And then <laughs> I think he lights a match. Yeah. I think. And then, whoa. Like, literally, I wrote, I wrote oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> on my the word. best part about that is that he prefaced it with, if you come out the other side of this, I hope you have no hard feelings. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that's like one of those that's like one of those nineties like action movie lines, you know, that's just it was it was funny, but it's it's also like a pretty dramatic and action movie. So like it had its funny moments. Yeah, it definitely towed the line of comedy and dramatic like quite well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I'm like, all right, so the, the prisoners have taken over the plane. Um, I, I think this is where the, the DEA guy like tries to do something, but dude, this dude picked the to the wrong time yeah. to try and so, do something. What has happened first is they lost the plane first. Like the, the plane gets taken over by John Malkovich, Cyrus the virus, all the cages get let open. Yep. Um, they, they take over the plane, they lose the plane and then when the plane is under control of of the convicts, then Dave Chappelle goes through and he starts unlocking everyone's chains to get them out of their seats. And that's that's when DEA guy, douchebag, picks the worst time in the world. So I have a question about this, right? After watching it extensively, <laughs> did he pick that time? Because I said the same thing. Did he pick that time, though? Because when Dave Chappelle released his leg restraints, he was afraid that Dave Chappelle was going to see the gun. 
Yeah, that was a concern that's that I had too. Yeah, by the way, they think the camera angle was too. It was looking that's, at legs. That's probably what he was thinking there, because like, hey, he's probably going to see this gun, so I got to act now. Yeah, it, that was yeah. like my th- after seeing it so many times, I've finally come to the realization that maybe that's what they were going for. Like, he didn't have a choice; he had to use yeah. the gun. He probably, or, he probably yeah. thought, well, "Hey, this this it sucks to have to do this now, but no choice." Yeah. yeah. But yeah. also, too, like, when you do that, right, you've shown the gun. You said, fr- which is so fucking stupid, freeze. Uh, <laughs> at, at that point, you're pot committed. You probably have nine shots in that gun, right? Maybe six. Six to nine shots. You just start firing at that point, don't you? you like, you're not, you're not in it to fucking survive and take, take these people back alive, right? Like, there's, there's 20 of them. Theoretically, right? There's got to be at least like 15-ish prisoners there. All the guards are down at this point now, right? The only other person with a gun is the pilot. So if you start firing off rounds and taking people out, the pilot's going to grab his gun and come out. Or was the cockpit taken at that point? That already happened. Because yeah. uh, when they first take oh, over... Oh, yeah, because John Malkovich had the gun. And they yeah, were the and then they, they shoot the two guys that are sitting right in front of the cockpit on accident. I mean, at that point, if yep. it's me, if it's me, you're de- you're a dead man anyway. Once you pull out that gun, you're not coming off that plane. Right. So just start popping. You start firing. If you get Cyrus the virus, great. If not, you better fucking hope that there, there's enough but guards the to help. Cyrus hid behind that lady guard. Right. Honestly, mm. bro, if if it's me, she's she's down, bro. Well, that's <laughs> she, what she said. She said, "Take the shot." She was like, "Take the shot." She's yeah. fucking down. Yeah. Also, like, let's not overcast the the female cop. She had some balls bro she had some balls in that movie yeah yeah well speaking of her like i didn't think that cole meany was like the worst guy i thought danny trejo's character was the worst guy yeah oh because even because even with what he was condoning like even the other prisoners with like as bad of stuff as they've done that even when they look at him and what the way he was acting we were like dude that's that's too low Danny, Danny, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead now you go. I was gonna say Danny Trejo was probably like S tier criminal because you're right. Even Cyrus was like, "If you, can you fly?" <laughs> so yeah. I mean, if Danny Trejo was bad, not, not now. Steve Buscemi was fucking. We're gonna get to Steve Buscemi's performance. Steve Buscemi was fucking insane. Like made made me kind of question my life. A little bit. <laughs> like, Steve Buscemi was insane. Garland like, Green. Yeah, the way Nicholas Cage said, hello, Garland. Garland. <laughs> but, like, am I right? Like, Machete was bad. Machete was, Johnny 23 was a bad guy. Even Cyrus, the, the scum of the earth, whatever, was like, no, no, you sit the fuck down. Like, we yep. need to control you. But, like, Garland Green was a fucked up character and yeah yeah well we're gonna get to it but when they land at carson city i'm not gonna lie as a kid i didn't fully understand any of what he was doing but as an adult i was like wait what wait excuse me hello like blowing the whistle hitting all the bells that i can find (laughs) someone help this girl yeah yeah uh and i'll say it too so i think that i think that that was intentional um, like yeah. people hating Danny Trejo's character because Cyrus the virus is like, while he's in his cage, he's like, 
I don't like rapists. I think you're like somewhere between a cockroach and that white film that that forms on the side of your mouth when you're thirsty. Um, so he says that about him, which makes you relate more to Cyrus. So you kind of like you're like, you know what? I can relate to Cyrus. He's not that bad, you know. Yeah. Like like so they they made they made their enemies very obvious and i think i think that was like really smart so like you, you know at some point you like you wanted cyrus to succeed um, you know it, it's it's a pretty weird uh, you know the way that they played with that a bit it was pretty cool yeah i thought cyrus the virus i thought he was an awesome i use the term like bad guy loosely yeah like he had a like a obviously a bad criminal record but like bad guy is kind of a loose term in this movie, I would say, and like I'm not, fu- you're not fully sure of his motives, I think, but he's interesting. No, definitely, John they Malkovich never, is amazing. Though. They yeah. never really do say like why he wants to be free, right? You don't know yeah. why he wants to be free. You just know he wants to be free, and you're left to assume that it's for evil reasons. But this kind of brings me back, and I'm glad you brought this up. That the last podcast we did talking about Taken Three and the mastermind Stewie. Like, how terrible his plot was and how see-through it was. John Malkovich, Cyrus the Virus, keeps that plan right here. No one knows what he's thinking. And, like, there's so many hurdles that he has to go through to make this work. And he's not telling anyone. And it's all playing out. The only one who knows is Big Daddy, Big Dog, or whatever his name is, Ving Rhames. And Ving Rhames doesn't even know the full plan. So it's like, man, this is... This was a brilliant, like kind of mystery thriller that like they made cyrus out to be gray just like john said he's not evil you think you're led to believe he's evil but he doesn't really do anything evil he stops a rapist from raping a woman right and like his his fucking mastermind plan is dare i say brilliant it's perfect and we're gonna find out later it seems like every questionable thing he's doing on the plane is because he doesn't want his plan compromised Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. No, it, it, it was great. It was really cool to see him. Um, I think I think they land at Carson City here, I believe. Yep. Um, and they're greeted with... <laughs> I thought these these jackets these guys were wearing were silly. I'm like, Department of Prisons. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> that's uh, <laughs> pretty general. And then <laughs> it was called, though. Yeah, <laughs> it was called the Department of Prisons. Now it's like rehabilitation and shit like that. But it or now that I think they all wear Department of Justice or but corrections, was, right? Yeah, it was Department of Prisons though. I had to oh, Google it, that. Oh, it was. Yeah, no, that's really what it was called. Oh, I thought that was a movie thing. Oh no, no, no that. So I looked it up because I was I was thinking the same thing because yeah. my job I worked with those types of customers and I was like, is that really uh, how America was? Yeah. And that's. That's what we called it. We didn't call it corrections back then. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, so that was uh that was unique. That was th- this movie for those of you watching was at Blockbuster. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I I do need to rewind it like 30 seconds though. So this is the part where they say we need volunteers to get off the plane and the dude that he's with Bubba uh, Bubba from <laughs> Bubba Gump. <laughs> Bubba Gump here. Um, he's having like a full-on like um, insulin attack, like yeah. where he's he's like he's going into like diabetic you know comas and all that stuff. Um, 
so he tries to get off the plane with Cameron Poe at this time, but then they don't let him get off because he's black and they're expecting white people. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense. It's a, it's it's explained. But then when um, Cameron Poe changes his mind, Cyrus is just like, yeah, okay. It's like, like when he figured out that he was going to get taped up and gagged and all that stuff, and he wasn't going to be able to scream for help and stop him. He was like, nah, I, I, I'm going to stay on a plane. And you're like, eh, I feel like the criminal mastermind that is Cyrus of Iris should have seen that as way more suspicious than it was. Also, though, you're leaving out that they had a bit of a moment with the DEA agent. Oh, because he and talked to him. And he, yeah. Cyrus yeah. Cyrus does believe right now that he, he does want to be here. And that, he remember, he volunteered with Bubba. And he wanted to go, both of them go. And I think he called them a racial slur, so I won't repeat that. But yeah. Cyrus said, you can't go because they're expecting two white guys or three white guys. So that's when he was like, nah, I'm going to stay with my friend. I want to stay with my friend. I want, I have, and then he lied and said that he has 15 more years and he wants yep. to get out. So yep. that it wasn't totally like, because I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, dude, a kindergarten teacher could see through this shit. Uh, but no, he he kind of manipulates with wordplay, and he's he, not gonna lie with that southern draw. He kind of seems like a fucking moron. So Cyrus <laughs> is probably writing it off as this guy's just a fucking idiot. Okay, you want to stay, bud? <laughs> Got it. Yeah. And then and it all ties back to and we'll, I won't skip too far ahead, but when when Cyrus does get the information of how they found out at Carson City, that's when he pieces it immediately pieces it together. Yeah. And just like okay, that's why you really wanted to stay. So. Yep. Yeah, that I I bought that part is I guess the long and short of what I'm trying to say. I bought that. Okay, everything you, that has '90s action movies in it, you're just like, yeah, I bought it. <laughs> well, I, I had to think about it. I paused it and actually talked to my roommate about this before bu- buying in fully. And I was like, hey, what do you think about this? And he brought up a really good point. He's like, well, a he he thought he was going with his buddy who he's been sitting with, and b him and Cyrus are like kind of bros and and they even someone even calls it out that like oh it's bubba bubba goes hey your new boyfriend over here and so like i thought it was funny that they called him bubba too maybe we didn't get (laughs) enough of the character development there or like we missed parts that they kind of fast forwarded through but like i feel like there might have been another quick scene there that they uh they intertwined in yeah i think this is also um i think this is where like John Cusack's trying to get uh, more information about how they how could this have possibly happened? You know, these prisoners taking over the plane. And I think they're rummaging through uh, Cyrus's cell and he Cyrus literally knew everything. Every every inch of that plane. He, I mean, he knew. knew where people were going to sit and he knew everything. He knew everything. I thought that was so fucking cool. But I also like. Like watching that protocol wise, it clearly screams nineties because who the fuck finds that and doesn't call for bomb squad or or someone? Do not else? open. Do not open. The do oh not my open God. is the dumbest fucking nineties cliche ever. <laughs> that that is the, those. It was those like little moments that made this movie kind of campy. But like, correct me if I'm wrong. It it fit. It worked. It didn't like. It wasn't like Batman with George Clooney, where like he whips out the unlimited Bat credit card, which would get traced back to the owner oh, and try God. and use it. <laughs> but but like it, it felt like it kind of fit what they were doing, which was towing the line between comedy, thriller, and, and action movie. Yeah. 
Uh, I think they mentioned Colombia too when they're rummaging through a cell, and I'm like, maybe that's the country they're trying to get to. Well, that that's where yeah. that's where uh, I can't remember the fucking the drug lord's name was. The drug uh, lord who's only in a movie for like 15 minutes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where yeah. he was from, and that's the oh, lawyer okay. he was talking to. So I okay. think that they were gonna go to Mexico. And that's that was the escape plan is they were gonna go to Carson City and go to Mexico. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then you then now we meet Garland Green. And now he's now he's on board. <laughs> welcome, welcome aboard, Garland Green. He's got the fucking Hannibal Lecter suit on. Yeah. They, they totally <laughs> Bro, that was Garland Green was probably the coolest character in this entire movie. I just, I just think it's funny because he gets on the plane and John Malkovich like is looking at him and he's in his cage and he's like, let him out. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, that's a ballsy maneuver. And then like uh, a little bit later on the movie, he's like, I once cut the face off of a woman and wore it for three states. No, it wasn't a woman. It was a child. A child. I'm sorry. It was a little girl on his daughter's birthday. He's telling him this story. And that's what said. But like. That's his M.O., and that, again, speaks to how coordinated and well that Cyrus planned this out. He knew Garland Green is no threat to any of them. He wants to kill a child. He kills children. Yeah, that's get, messed up. So, like, he he let him out, and he's just like, no, let, let's not piss this guy off so he changes his M.O. if he ever gets mm-hmm. out. Like, it, I, I thought that move was so calculated beyond what we saw in the movie. Like, oh, yeah, let let the the guy the gimp out to play it was like so calculated where like he kills children let's not piss him off because he is a scary fucking dude let's keep him status quo so you want a front row seat pal here you go yeah <laughs> and then when he starts talking to to fucking camera oh bro that that whole conversation gives you the creeps because it's like Crazy is a matter of perspective, right? And then he breaks down going to work, doing your nine to five, sitting in a cubicle, and then being told you can't do it anymore at 55, and then you just wait to die. Is like the most, like, he seems like the most brilliant and insightful man in the world. And then he tells you the story about how he killed a little girl and wore her head as a mask for fucking 30 miles. Three states or something. <laughs> uh, I also have a quote written down on this one because I thought it was awesome. Because when Bubba looks over to a Cameron Poe and he's like, uh, what's wrong with him? And then Cameron's line is, my first thought would be a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I just thought that, that line, like I literally just laughing, not because the line was funny, but because it was just so dumb. <laughs> uh, I think something in Cyrus's cell exploded because the, the guards are stupid. It's yeah. literally, like John Cusack's like, literally don't touch anything. And immediately they touch something and it goes, yeah, boom. Boom, explodes. But he already knows where they're going. He knows that they're going to Carson City because he used the cipher. Well, so. he, he, he knows, yeah, he knows where they're going. But as far as finding them, the prisoners throw them off a little bit. They, you, you find out that um, Dave Chappelle, he's like, he put the transponder of the plane onto the smaller plane and yeah and i'm like wait i'm like i was thinking i'm like wow he did that very easily it's like all right let me just move this transponder over to this plane 
Well, the guy, the guy that took over the cockpit, put it onto a, a nine volt battery and like had it powered the whole deal. Like yeah. they showed him doing it. Yeah, it was yeah. Pretty... Yeah, so. that was that was interesting. Again, something I didn't quite understand as a child. Yeah. And uh, I think Cole Mealy, Cole Mealy and John Cusack are like still having like their back and forth. Like, <laughs> Cole me like I'm gonna call him Chief O'Brien because that's what he is to me. <laughs> Star Trek, yeah. So he's uh, Chief O'Brien's arguing with Cusack. Like Chief, like he's what, a guy that wants to get things done. And like John Cusack's ta- character is like he's just taking way too long to do stuff. Yeah, I like, mean we don't know too how far away Cusack's office is from the prison and how much information he's finding. It just seems that yeah. Cusack's being written off as like an idiot because the plane got taken over. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And like his captain or chief or whatever, who stood by him and calls him like the best of the best and whatever, like wrote him off so quickly. It was <laughs> kind of insane. Like we, we have the transponder. Okay. But why did you need to go? as well with the DEA it, it like a lot of that didn't make sense also if the like John Cusack knows they're going to Carson City why is he going alone and not calling anyone outside of the people that he knows are going to the transponder that part so this part was wild to me too because like, he knows they're going to Carson City. He tries to tell them, and they're ignoring him, and they just continue going after the sightseeing plane, whatever. How then, because their whole plan was to go to Carson City from the whole beginning, right? And and then to go to that, like, little thing in the middle of nowhere. How does Cusack beat him there? They're in a plane, and they took off 15 minutes before he figured it out. He gets in the Corvette and beats him there? Yeah. But, then, but they went the wrong way, initially. Oh yeah, because they followed the smaller plane. Um, right, but I, I, no, I'm I'm talking about the convicts. How does John Cusack beat the convicts there? Yeah. Oh, I, you're right. Yeah, that's you're right on that. Yeah. I don't know how he beat him there. Dude, yeah, he he floored it with that car. It had to have been like a timing thing where he knew, like, they they must have taken a different route to get to the Carson City due to traffic or due to whatever there there might have been something along the way that they just actively avoided yeah that that's the only reason i can think of or that wherever they went to go pick up the prisoner wherever they went to go get like the the, the new pilot uh was further away than cusack was from carson yeah. city Maybe. <laughs> so, like, they never really dive into that, but I, when I was watching it, I did notice that, too. I was like, the timing here is... Obvious. Suspicious. Yeah. One thing I wanted to ask, I wrote it down. I was like, all right, what would you do to get the plane down? Would you go the shooting it down route or the John Cusack's way of, of like, hey, we can try to get this to land safely first because there's innocent people? I'd probably try to get it to land safely first, knowing, but I want to find the plane first, right? Like, you don't yeah. need to shoot it down. They're not going to kill everyone. They, they're going to use the people as leverage. Well, I would say, I was thinking, you know, I was going to say, like, try to land it, try to get it to land. But, like, you see later, I don't want to get too far ahead, but, like, 
I would say depending on where the plane is going, then you might have no choice but to shoot it down. Right. Like if once right. it's getting ready to leave the stateside, I think I would have. I would say as, as long as it's going towards like the middle of nowhere, like nothing really in its path, then try to get it to land safely. Otherwise, I would have taken it down. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really have an opinion on this because yeah. like I, it's an impossible decision to make. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I mean, like what what loss of life is it worth? <laughs> we do see the loss of life in Dave Chappelle's character as he got stuck in the <laughs> landing gear. Oh yeah, cue ball didn't make it. Yeah, <laughs> well, and I think you see the body falling. Like you see the body, his body falling, and then you see the car driving. And I'm like, all right, I already know what's going to happen here. Yeah. Just... Can we agree, though, that there's, like, no shot that that T-shirt is readable after? <laughs> oh, it's got it your name yeah. written all over it. Yeah, there's no shot that T-shirt's readable after. Hmm. I don't know. Like, Sharpie, Sharpie doesn't come off that easily. Neither does <laughs> blood. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, it's it it was it was you know like it's one of those things they had to progress it right. So they found out the first clue because they like punched the the inmate in the chest and like the tape recorder came out and that's how they figured out that the you know that the inmates had the plane, um, and then you know they he's leaving the clues with with this and you know they're trying to progress it in a believable way. I thought that was, I, I thought it was unique, you, you know, that's a ballsy play, too, like, you have a guy standing right there, and you're like, right the second up. mastermind in the whole plan. Yeah. Well, another thing, question I had is, because he wrote on the, he wrote on the body to contact Larkin, but I was like, wait, how did Cameron know to contact Larkin specifically? Or did he just write, I, I forgot what he wrote on the body, I was like, did he just write a general... Like, no, he no, said just, he was listening when Larkin was talking to Cyrus. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, he was in the room when he's like, "Hey, I want to know what's happening next." And Cyrus was talking to Larkin. Yeah, he actually oh, identified oh, yeah, himself. Is, yeah. Uh, okay, yeah <laughs> that's when he was like, "I don't like him. He doesn't talk anymore." Oh, that's right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That other guy, I forget his. That one convict, he's another really bad guy. I forget his name, but like, he does something Cameron doesn't like, and. One of the more infamous lines of the movie, put the bunny back in the box. Billy, yeah, it, Billy something. Uh, it, yeah, Billy Batson. He uh, uh, he took his fucking daughter's birthday gift out of the box. Put the yeah. bunny back in the box. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Favorite line. And then and then he and then he goes through the whole fight. He kills him and he says, "Why didn't you just put the bunny back in the box?" <laughs> That's exactly what I wrote down. I literally wrote down what he was saying. Yeah. Yeah, because it's it's great. My thing great. though there was like, okay, so he kills Billy, and because Billy reads his letter about how he's getting home and everything else, right? He doesn't destroy the letter. He doesn't hide the letter. He doesn't hide the body. He just goes back upstairs, and even Garland goes. Two went down. One came up. Yep. And it's like, okay, come on, bro. Doesn't take. Yeah. And I think they were following uh, they, those choppers were following that other plane that they thought because of the transponder thing. I really thought they were about to shoot down that innocent plane. <laughs> I really thought they were going to do it. That would like, be dope. Just, just, uh, just fire without seeing the plane. Imagine. 
Just a bunch yeah. of people like, is this safe? Nope. <laughs> is this part of the tour? <laughs> They're going in for a rough landing at uh, at Lerner Airfield. But I was like, wait a minute. So they're landing, but I'm like, they're landing this plane for to get in a new plane. And I'm like, where is the new plane? And it wasn't there yet. But that's we learned that that's not the case. It is there. Um, and I was thinking, like, I was like, how about next time try to land a little bit smoother? <laughs> yeah, Pref- and I think preferably, preferably not in front of the propane tank. <laughs> I think too. The other plane was on the runway, so they had to go back up and then back down, which probably shot the runway a little bit for them. Yeah. Um, which was also yeah. unbelievable. It's also unbelievable, right? Um, so at this point, we got Baba in a full diabetic coma. Uh, yep. Everyone else is running wild. Uh, now the plane's kind of, the nose is buried. Um. He calls the guy the Viking. He tells him to go get a tractor so they can try and drag the plane out. Everyone else is digging. And then Poe is like, hey, I'm going to go get the fuel truck. <laughs> and the best part about this is Poe runs away for like 20 minutes, doesn't even get the fuel truck. Because he's <laughs> looking for a syringe the whole time. I get it. Um, but then at this point, so Poe goes to get the fuel truck. And then he accidentally finds the plane that's supposed to be there. But who else finds the plane that's supposed to be there? Out of nowhere, through the mist, comes our hero, John Cusack, to save the day. <laughs> he, by the way, what was the line that he used? Oh, I don't remember. Freeze. It was freeze. Oh, God. Yeah, what a <laughs> dumb fucking thing. Like, I get why you would say that as a police officer. We are way past that right now, yeah. right? No one's freezing. This is <laughs> get rich or die trying. My, my, my favorite part about this whole scene, though, was when he's like, now, listen to me. You don't want to pull that trigger because you're going to have 20 armed convicts who'd be very mad and come this way. And then he puts yeah. on the silencer and he says, well, hooray for the sounds of fucking silence. <laughs> <laughs> very underrated line. Oh, man, yeah. I love it. Well, this part when he's talking to Cusack, I was like, Cameron, like Nicolas Cage's character says a line and I'm like, I've heard that before. And that was what I was telling you guys earlier that it another movie took that line like they spinned it around a little bit and i was like they took that from con air i'm like what <laughs> and i'll show you the line i'm talking about Very really quick is. i've been i've been waiting for this all day in a minute listen poe can i lower this go ahead you're gonna lower this yours? one sorry boss but there's only two men i trust one of them's me, the other's not you. That's a good line, too. That line. Yeah, that line got taken from... <laughs> it. I mean, if, if you're listening and you don't know, like, I'm a huge fan of, like, Godzilla, if you don't know. And I was like, wait a minute, I've heard that line before. Yeah, and they. this is where that line... I saw that line. <laughs> old Godzilla. It's a dub, so it's the dub is called. What is that monster? <laughs> Listen, kid. There are two things you don't know about the Earth. One is me, <laughs> and the other is Godzilla. 
Like, they took that line from Con Air. <laughs> Why did I, that guy look like Hopper from Stranger Things so fucking bad? I was gonna say that. <laughs> but yeah, awesome. I heard I've heard that before. Um, but now it's time. Like, oh, I guess it's time to save the day. I think he says. <laughs> I'm yeah. gonna save the fucking day. What do you think yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, gonna do? The, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, gonna save, save the day. Yeah, so, like, that that whole scene is pretty cool. Um, this is when John Malkovich realizes that he's been double-crossed. Oop, something happened? No, no, we're here. Okay. So, um, so, this is when John Malkovich realizes that he's been double-crossed. He sees the other plane trying to take off. Um, you know, um, the miraculously he's able to get a crane down and stop the plane from taking off. And then John Malkovich catches up to him. <laughs> and then this drug dealer, he's like, you're just going to leave us. He's like, no, I was just coming to get you while the plane is like fully, <laughs> fully speeding up. Like the jets are flying out the back of the planes taking off. That's funny. One thing I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take George's line here really quick. Dude, no shot that all of these guys are pulling a plane that size with just ropes. With just literally just a bunch of guys with ropes and like a tractor. Like, I was like, no way they're pulling that. Yeah. Just by themselves. Yeah, I agree. I, and I also, <laughs> I wondered how none of them wondered who was operating the crane that destroyed the, yeah. the plane. Like, hello? Did no one see John Cusack? Uh, no. Someone did investigate the crane. Oh. Someone investigated the crane, and he was, like, in the front seat of a car hiding underneath the dashboard. Oh, so. okay. So that did get investigated, yeah. Okay. Maybe I watched, like, the extended cut, because yeah. I, I saw a whole bunch of stuff that you guys didn't see. There was a lot of things that, like, felt like like that Rushed part. Over. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then we had discovered that the these those drug lord guys they hid the new plane, and the new plane goes down really fast. Yeah. And, and Cyrus the virus scorches these guys. Yeah, that was dope. Yes. Yeah. Do you remember the line? But Cy Anara. Yeah. <laughs> that was good. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. Total Schwarzenegger line. Yeah. Um, but I now I think they're getting ready for these troops that are driving towards them that they see. They go, all right, who's coming here? And it's a bunch of troops that are coming. Yeah. But they pull out a bunch of weapons from, like, the cargo part of the plane. And I'm like, I thought, cash. I thought there were no weapons on the plane. Now, uh, John Cusack in the very beginning explained that there was two weapons on the plane. There was a weapons cache in the front and the cargo area and one in the uh, cockpit. All right. Yeah, but my thing is, like, you guys didn't even hit the most concerning part of that. Number two, number one, how many propane tanks are at this airfield? <laughs> number one, lots. lots. Uh, number two, why the hell are there grenade launchers in the weapons cache of this plane? Yep. <laughs> yeah, they had an arsenal. From, uh, like, literally, that was, like, a pretty big weapons cache there. But, I mean, I get the machine guns and I get the shotguns. But not not the grenade launchers. Like, what are they expecting to fly into? Yo, it's Redneck <laughs> Central down there. That's just funny. But like, 
and like Cyrus the virus like does such a like a like a unique plan to be ready for these troops and they play these troops like a fiddle yeah that they they stomp them you know yeah. before Cusack shows up with the uh with the truck but um, which is like it was low-key brilliant again showing how good of a villain he was like he he was very calculated and yeah. like, he wasn't just like a serial killer like a ted bundy he was very very calculated about everything he did loved mm. it agree and you know throughout all this we've seen we've been going back and forth with garland green sitting with this little girl oh at this, yeah at this trailer park and I, I think you see Garland Green go off, and but you don't. So like you think something happened off screen with the girl, um, but then you see that he didn't do it. Yeah, no, the girl's waving goodbye to the plane. Bye, Bob. Yeah, so, it's, that's a pretty messed up scene, though, right? Because he's not really saying anything; he's just looking at her. Yeah. Are you sick? Why would I be sick? Oh God! Oh God! <laughs> Just get me out. And then he's like, he got the whole world yeah, no, on the good. plane. How fucking gross is that? He's, he's away from this girl. He's got the whole world. Oh, just. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it was pretty cringy. But uh, but it right. also, like, it painted a good picture of, like, how twisted that character actually is. Yeah. It was brilliant acting. That was, like superb acting by steve buscemi who like most of us know him as crazy eyes from mr deeds or like from billy madison <laughs> he literally puts in this and because of this movie i went on to watch armageddon in armageddon brilliant performance yeah. like yeah. he's just like such an underrated actor i it's a shame that he's labeled because he i he thought Ar- garland green was so creepy yeah, yeah. no i agree <laughs> And I think he has the chop. We finally see that Cole Meany has the choppers on him, but I think he ends up not shooting him down. Um, because I think, yeah, Poe convinces him, hey, don't shoot us down yet. So so this kind of goes back to your previous conversation you guys already had about this. Do you shoot it down? Do you not? The pilot of his helicopter at one point says, this is the last you know, like they're not over, we're not over popular uh, or civilization. Like this is the last opportunity you have to shoot him down. And he makes a de- yep. he makes a decision not to shoot him down. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, realistically though, like you got to think, do, do you really want all those people's blood on your hands? Cause you're, you're about to kill at least four innocent people to kill eight convicts. Yep. Like, realistically it, i don't know i don't yeah. know if i could do it I, it's a hard decision um, i just don't know if i could stomach it you know i now, like i liked the line garland green drops this next part because um you hear sweet they start playing sweet home alabama on the plane and, <laughs> and he's like oh how ironic here yeah, they were dance everybody's dancing on a plane by a song from a song by a band that died in a plane crash yeah like, Define oh, irony. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He just a brilliant character. Jerry Brockheimer is like one of the best storytellers of our time. Such a good character. He wrote such a good he doesn't know how good of a character. <laughs> like if this was made today, 
we're getting a Garland Green movie. Like, Imagine one. <laughs> but, like, realistically, in a day and age where no one can come up with their own bullshit, Garland Green would get his own movie if if this movie came out today. We'd get a prequel for Garland Green or Cyrus. 100%. And it's just, it's amazing. Now, I think you finally, they're finally getting the attack choppers on them. But um, um, Poe's trying to, Poe's trying to take over the plane now. And this dude withstands, with, he withstood a bullet in his arm. He just ignored it like it was nothing. And, and he ends up, and like, to get in that cockpit, he just gives a slap. Oh, to the, yeah, to the uh, transgendered male? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was funny. That 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 was a weirdly. I don't think it was supposed to be funny now, but it was really funny like in the nineties when they made it. One thing I forget with this part, I was like, wait, what was Cyrus doing? Like, did he get knocked out or something? Um, yeah, the lady how, cop. The lady cop knocked him the fuck oh, out. Oh yeah, okay, and then that's I was like, how Poe got into that cockpit like quickly? Yeah, <laughs> the yeah. lady cop knocked him clean the fuck out. Yeah. Okay. Because, well, me, we skipped over how Machete was trying to rape her. Yeah. Poe pulls him off, and then Cyrus shows up and is, like, I think he's choking the life out of Poe. And uh, she calls his name, and then he, she knocks him the fuck out with, like, a fire extinguisher. Yeah. yeah. And then they, they handcuff him in the cage above his head, which yeah. plays into something that happens later. Yeah. <laughs> they handcuff Machete. Yeah. Machete. Well, this is one thing I forgot. I think we we watched the trailer before we recorded this too, but like I was like, you see Las Vegas pop up and I'm like, wait a minute, he's gonna crash on the strip? Yeah. I'm like, I forgot that was part of the movie. I'm like, what? And Yeah, a lot of wild shit happens between now and that part. You totally like I'll you you totally do lose track of the trailer and you forget, yeah, they're gonna crash in in Viva Las Vegas, baby. Yeah. Yeah, and like they they literally like are going through all of the strip and then eventually they run out of (laughs) they run out of their runway. Yes, and they crash right and then I was like, Oh, that's a way to check into a hotel. Yeah. Yeah. Quite literally, like, if you think about it, I, I think we've all been to Vegas, right? Yeah. So, I, I haven't, but yeah, that's uh, okay. Okay. I, he also well, crashed on the old strip, not the new strip. Yeah. So, like, even just thinking about, like, if you saw a plane crashing in Las Vegas or, like, coming down on the strip, you'd probably just be like, oh, Wow. Wow. Everyone's screaming. Like if I saw that in my hotel coming, I'd just feel like, oh shit, this is this is crazy. I, but I, I don't know if I'd be in full on panic mode, you know? Yeah. Uh and it and it's also crazy because like so they start coming down, they take out, you know, like the hard rocks, guitar and all this other stuff. Um and then they're like crashing and like Cyrus and Poe are like still fighting. <laughs> like when all this is happening. <laughs> and it's crazy. Yeah, oh, I mean, because Bubba got shot. Yeah, Bubba took took a bullet, and I need someone to help me out here because the dude, 
the whole movie, Bubba's dying, right? Like, Force, I'm dying. Like, he is dying the entire movie. He finally gets a little bit of help with his shot, and he takes a bullet. <laughs> like, this dude was an NPC if I've ever seen one. He was not going anywhere. <laughs> like, yeah. he definitely should have hopped out of that plane and grabbed a table and just yeah. started playing. That's oh. <laughs> so that so that all that stuff happens. Uh, they crash, and then the convicts start coming out of the crash plane. People are starting to try to escape, and then they look over. So Cameron Poe walks out, and they look over and they see a fire truck driving away. And the only thing that Cyrus of Iris needed to not do was be on top of the fire truck, and that's exactly where he was, and right. everyone could see him. So I thought that, that was just like. Okay, I get it. Like he's kind of getting away, and you need to make an excuse for them to have like a chase scene in this movie. So, I thought that was pretty clever of them, though. Like everyone thought they were dead, so Ving Rhames and Cyrus sneak out with the pilot. Yeah, and they're wearing police uniforms, so it's not totally unbelievable that you know they could slip through the crowd. Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool how they hop on a fire truck. They just take the fire truck. What I didn't think was totally believable is that a no one noticed them taking the fire truck right they just yeah, hopped in one. and took it and b that like just two people went after him like <laughs> just two <laughs> And no no one blocked... It's Vegas, right? It's not that... Like, again, John hasn't been there, but, like, Mike, you've been there. Vegas is in mm. a very complicated place. It's one gigantic highway. And that tunnel that they, they ended the chase in is now complete, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> like, why... I guess, wh- how did no one stop them from leaving or, or getting far away? Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's funny too because like at the beginning of that scene they have all the convicts down and then again the handcuffs and all that stuff and they show a cop walking through and he's like just counting them, and I thought that was funny. He's like one, two, three, four, five, and then all of a sudden you look over and Cyrus is on top of a fire truck. So like they're literally counting them like like middle schoolers or like elementary students, you know, school students, and then they I just mean, like missed convicts. Low key, I thought that was brilliant by Cusack because like that wouldn't have been my first train of thought is to do a head count i would have been like just looking for cyrus and i probably would have missed someone else you know Mm. Uh, so i think that was like low-key kind of a really smart move but um but at this point you don't know how many are alive and how many aren't alive but they knew how many were on the plane that's true true. so he was trying to just do a head count this whole thing the whole thing when after the plane crashes is like it seems like really like premature because it's like Come on, there's still dangerous guys out there, and like it kind, you kind of seem like, all right, we've got everything, everything, we've got everybody, everything's good now, but you see, people like Cyrus the virus are still out there, and like when I saw that they let out the white, like Cameron's wife and kid, I was like, oh god, too soon. Yeah, I was like, put them, <laughs> put them back, put them back where they were. Right? Like how? Why would you bring them to Vegas? Yeah, that's the other thing. They're in Louisiana, right? So, like, yeah. And, and so, so stuff starts going bad, and Cusack's like, no, we need his wife here. Uh, and so we need to talk to her. 
And then all of a sudden she's in Vegas with the kid. <laughs> yeah, which didn't really like I think you could have ended that a little differently. So I guess we fast forwarded through Cameron Poe is on the back of a fire fire engine and he's fucking fighting Cyrus while hanging off the ladder. So Cyrus is on top of the ladder while Cameron is doing fucking monkey bar pull ups, just like eh, don't do that. Eh, don't do that. Uh, they're fighting in the back, right? Ving Rhames is already dead. I forget how... Did Ving Rhames get shot? Yeah, I know he got crashed into because oh, he was he on the back. Into, he was toast. Yeah. yeah. The, motorcy- the motorcycle Cusack. Uh, yeah, right. Cusack used the motorcycle and like, when he jumped off of it. And then the, the driver <laughs> is the pilot. And doesn't yep. Ving Rhames... Or doesn't uh, Cusack put the fire hose in... Yep. The cab. So The cab. So he's like either got to drown or bail. So he... He bails and dies. No, yeah. he yeah, he crashes into a car and flies out of the windshield. <laughs> yeah. So he <laughs> dies. Meanwhile, in the back, somehow Cyrus has like a, a large fire poker and is trying to stab fucking oh. Cameron Poe and he can't hit him once. Like oh, he's on... when he when he stabbed Cyrus in the leg, I was like, Oh, I felt that. I know, yeah, I felt yeah, that. Uh, he like he lets out like a screech. He's like, ah. like, then they, like they like straight up show it. They show yeah. the screech going through his ankle. You're like, Ugh. <laughs> yeah. well, I thought that was huge because like I could I could see how Cyrus frustrated maybe missed a few times, whatever. And for dramatic effect, he misses a few more times. Doesn't hit Poe once, which is kind of fucking stupid. But the end when Cyrus dies, he they crash and there's like a mechanical smasher for all the garbage and whatever from the bridge construction. And when I'm a kid, I'm like, why doesn't Cyrus move left or right and like get off the track? But then as an adult, like you said, you felt that fucking thing going through his ankle. And I think, I think by that point, by the time Cyrus is under that thing, I'm like, this dude's like broken every bone in his body by this point. (laughs) He's literally like, hit me, hit me. Yeah. So, so I will say one of my favorite parts about that scene is that he does not say a single thing. He just lays on his back and he's looking yeah. straight up and he sees it and then it just kills him. Like he doesn't say he doesn't say anything cheesy. He doesn't cheapen it. He just it just happens. And I I appreciated that the fact that there was no lines there. Yeah. <clears throat> I liked that after the plane crash, I was like the chase was not over uh, because the whole fire truck thing was cool too. And I was just like. Jeez, I'm like these explosions. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. great. It was awesome. I, I thought that was cool. Yeah, it made it so that like the end game wasn't about it wasn't about the plane, right? It was about the villain. And yeah. the, the villain was great. And you still you have no idea why he needed to be out other than he needed to be out. And I thought that that was like it was so menacing watching this because you're like you still you don't hate Cyrus. Like no. throughout the entire yeah. movie, you you know he's bad, but you don't hate him. Like you hated the DEA. Agent. You relate. You relate to Cyrus. You can kind of relate to Cyrus because you have no idea why he needs to be out. Like yep. you have no idea. Maybe he knows how to cure cancer. Like, you you have no idea why he needs to be out. <laughs> like it, it's laughable, but like they could easily have written it that way, where like he yep. had an actual good reason to be out of prison, or like someone was gonna kill him in the next. You know, mm. jail that he was going to. You have no idea why he needed to be out yeah. of prison. Yeah. Um, you just know that he wasn't a good guy, and that he was he was 
defying Cameron Poe from being home. And I loved it. I loved every second of it. And the only thing that like didn't sit well with me the, at first was that the, Cameron Poe had no reason to chase him. And then when I rethought about it, it's like, actually, he knows exactly where Cameron lives. He knows he has a daughter. He knows he has a wife. And I was like, <coughs> so, so really, Cameron Poe chasing him was like the yeah. ultimate, like, you need to secure your family safety no. by killing him. I had thoughts about this, too. But, like, literally, the scene or two before that, he said, I'm going to make sure the only the last thing your daughter sees is, like, my breath coming out of my crooked teeth or something like that. No, he says the last thing she's ever going to smell is my stinking breath. Yeah. So like like he knows that there's already been a threat of his daughter. And if there's one thing you know about Cameron Poe. You know, but he didn't actually kill him. He didn't act so he's like he is rehabilitated because he didn't kill him. <laughs> yeah. He, he would have. Listen, um, you don't you don't know that. He he yeah. was probably on his way to go steal the Declaration of Independence and he was just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Could you imagine if this was a prequel to National Treasure? Imagine, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. At the end, you just see the funny, the the little sidekick show up. Hey, do you know anything about uh, history? <laughs> what do you should mention? Yeah. My name is Gates. What? Yeah, we have our we have our ending to this crazy film here. Uh, Cameron's reunited with his family with the first awkward interaction, I think, but. Um, Interesting soundtrack choice too on this one. Leanne Rhymes <laughs> at this at this part. I was like, oh, all right, but yeah, I write. I wrote down. I was like, wow, pretty good movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, what was the song by Leanne Rhymes? Uh, How can I live without you? Right. Yeah. Because then been, yeah. she. It's she also did... the song that they're playing in the very beginning of the movie. Right. She yeah. did the soundtrack for this and then right after this she did the soundtrack for Coyote Ugly. Yep. Wow. You're welcome. So Conair made the even the musician was famous. <laughs> That's crazy. That's awesome. She like I, I don't know if you guys remember too. That song was it's still a huge song. So like kind of weird when you think about it in context of Conair. Like, yeah. <laughs> like next time you go to a wedding and you hear that as someone's wedding song, you're just gonna be thinking, "Put the bunny back in the box." <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, man, a wild film. Um, I was happy with it. I enjoyed it. I'm glad I. It was a movie post poster. I think we we had mentioned it earlier. Like, this is definitely like a poster, or like definitely something I saw on the shelf when I was a kid at Blockbuster. But I yeah. never really thought about it. But until now, I finally see it. I think it's because, like, people see the movie or, like, the trailer, and it's it kind of looks like a comedy. Or you yeah. look at it from the lens where, like, it kind of looks like it's supposed to be a thriller, but it looks like a shitty, cheesy one. But then when you watch it, it's, like, the cheesy stuff that is in there, it kind of it kind of works. Like, if you if you go into it looking for entertainment, it, it works, right? If you go into yeah. it looking to nitpick a movie... Like, if, if you thought you were going to see, like, The Dark Knight or something like that, you're going to be thoroughly disappointed because it's not a serious tone, whatever. But, like, if you're looking just for an hour or two of get me the fuck out of the real world for a minute, put me in the Matrix, this is fantastic. I, I mean, it totally – some of it doesn't hold up to today. Like, cell phones may have helped here. Um, Do you say I got a cell phone? 
Yeah, Cusack had a cell phone that was bigger than the fucking well, stick. Oh, he had an old like car. radio. He had an old like Radio Shack like Nokia or like Nokia yeah, like fat cell phone. Yeah, it, he needed like a backpack to carry it around. But <laughs> but like I mean, even the pilot or anyone having a cell phone makes that a different experience, right? Or yep. anything. So or a computer, like an actual <laughs> computer. Yeah. Um, yeah. Makes it a little bit different experience because I, I don't think you could do this movie in today's age because a computer reveals Cameron Poe immediately to all the the prisoners or like a yep. cell phone. Just it makes it the transponder trick not work if yeah. there's a cell phone on the plane. So like I don't know if you could remake this movie and I'm so happy no one's touched it because if you look go into it just for the entertainment factor, I still think it's like. Like, I pitched it to John pretty hard because I think the movie is a fantastic two-hour watch. Yeah. And you can't... Yeah. I, I don't think you could really remake it and, and have it hit the same. No, hey, for sure. I don't, no, I don't think this, this I don't be, think you could get a good enough cut. cast. You can't get a good enough cast like they got. They got... No, a bunch sure. of, like, I don't think anyone knew at that time John Malkovich is actually kind of funny. And I don't think anyone knew at that time that Steve Buscemi can can be in a cast with these guys and actually act yep. you know or that like nicholas cage yeah he was a little he was a bad southern draw but he he like he wore three or four different hats he was funny he was actually a good action star he was a decent actor showed you know a, rom, a little rom-com side like i just I, I don't know if you can remake that today i don't I, like what are you gonna have kevin hart played the dave Chappelle part it's not the same <laughs> Yeah, no, you're right. Well, no, that is like actor, actors like that don't take these small roles like that anymore, unless it's like something that they're doing for themselves or for a friend. But like they, they wouldn't like. Does does Dave Chappelle take that little role now? Even no, I think he would. I mean, I don't. But he, he did it in a Star Is Born, but I don't know. Star Is Born is a pretty good movie. I'm not a big chick flick guy, but it's a pretty good movie. Um. But, yeah, no, I think uh, if you really were going to recast this movie, and I think that would be a good talking point, you're right. The The only way this works is if you do it really, really small, like four or five people. And I think that's why Tropic Thunder was such a huge success is because they kind of pulled it off a little bit, but on a smaller scale. Like yeah. it, Tropic Thunder was action. It was comedy. It was dicey comedy. Uh, I don't think you could pull that off with 12 actors like they did here. No, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, this is one I think, this is one I think should not be touched. I think Con Air is one that should just, just remain the way it is, you know, don't do anything with it. Um, yeah, this is one I was happy to sit down with. Good. Glad I got to watch it. Yeah. I'm oh, super glad, glad you liked it because like, if you didn't like it, I would have felt like a schmuck. I love this movie. <laughs> oh, like, it's a fun movie. Especially yeah. for something from the 90s where, like, let's be honest, a lot of the 90s movies are either classic or they are garbage. There's very few in-betweener movies, and I think this is one of those in-betweeners that, like, actually works. 1997 yeah. is a good film year. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, 1997 was loaded. Yeah, yeah. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, thanks for, thanks you whoever was listening in on this episode of You Can't Be the Classics talking about Con Air. I'm going to reveal now how we're going to decide um, 
the general idea of what the next movie will be. So what I'm going to be having here is I'm going to be having a, a wheel pop up. And I have in the wheel, I mean, let's, let's put it on screen here for everybody to see. So I have a wheel here and I have a list of years. We have a, we have a list of years between 1970 and 2020. So I'm gonna, we're going to spin the wheel here. And whatever year it lands on, we're going to pick a film from that year for the next episode. We don't know the film yet, but we're going to get the, the year for you right now. All right, guys, so we're going to spin the wheel. Let's see what we're going to get to work with. Oh, it has noise. 1984. Mm, All right. We're going to go 80s next for the next episode. We're going to select a film from 1984. George is already already looking up 1984 films. Oh, baby. I have the pick. All right. All right. All right. Let's, we're gonna let's we're gonna end, we're gonna end the episode here. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for talking about Con Air. And peace we'll out, guys. You, we'll see you for the next one. Thanks for flying. <laughs> <laughs>